Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy today's message. How we doing? Y'all, it's an honor to be your pastor. I love being with people that are just going after God. And, uh, and there's more. <laughs> hey, stand with me. Our keynote verse for this series, and we're going to be here for a minute. I believe the Lord's stirring in you and in us collectively um, to step out in faith in areas that, that we haven't before and to step out into places of risk that really aren't risk because they're not dependent on you. They're dependent on the power of God. And God's going to, he's going to charge you and build your faith. And so what looks like an uncomfortable step is just a natural step. This is second, or excuse me, Colossians chapter two, second chapter of Colossians chapter two, verse six says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Lord, we say, have your way. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Lord, move us from the places that, that uh, we may be stuck. God, give us new sight to step out into what you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we, we're going to spend the next, uh, next little bit, actually, we're going to stay in this series up until, uh, up until Good Friday. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a place that, that I've felt the Lord just direct me, even from the book of Malachi. And Malachi is broken into three burdens that God has for his people. And Malachi, the name Malachi simply means my messenger. And God sends Malachi to, to speak to his people. And these were people that had been in bondage and captivity in Babylon and then had, had come out of Babylon and were now back in the land that God had given them. And they were trying to walk out what it was to be God's people. And they kept running into issues. And really the biggest issue was their lives got so busy and they got in the middle of circumstances that were really hard, legitimate, real hard circumstances. And what happened was their faith and their, their walk with God suffered in three areas. And so the Lord sent Malachi to talk to his people, and he, he, he divided it into three areas. Chapter 1, he says, I, I want to talk to you about your individual faith. I want to talk to you about how I've called you to more, and you're, you're in a place where you're bringing, and, and God called them unworthy sacrifices. He was saying, hey, I'm only getting a piece of you. You're, you're fulfilling a religious duty, but, but I don't have your heart. I don't have all of you. I'm getting the leftovers of your life. And it starts there. And so that's chapter one. Chapter two says, now God, God, God goes at him and he says, now this is where I see it in your family. So we go in individual faith and we go in the families that were represented and God's saying, look, your families are only getting part of you. And I'm not okay with that. So he goes faith, he goes family, and then he goes finances. In chapter 3, he says, now, now all of this, here's the foundation. Your faith before me, the sacrifice of your life, your family, 
and then your finances. But I love how it starts because all that feels really heavy. Like all of us, we, we hear that and we're like, okay, the Lord's coming after me. But listen to how he does that. Book of Malachi starts with this right here. He says, chapter 1, verse 2, I have always loved you, says the Lord. Isn't it amazing how God brings us back to, to the right root system? Colossians 2 says our, our roots go down into Christ. God is telling his people, hey, before I deal with all of this, I'm going to bring you back to a right foundation is I love you with an everlasting love. My love for you is not going to fail. And I'm not going to talk to you from a place of, of you striving your way to being pleasing to me. I'm going to talk to you from a place of my love needs to fill your heart so the outflow of your life begins to look different. He doesn't reject them. He, he, he brings them in in his love. Um, so our family's learning a little bit about rejection and, and uh, this subject uh, this week, actually, my, my son. So if we haven't got to meet, Anna and I have six children. Five of them are girls. Uh, one is a man-child. And um, he, he is seven years old. He'll be eight the, this summer. And, and so um, I'm laying in bed with Brooks. And Brooks and I have great, we have great times. Before he goes to sleep, we have good talks. And I really should have been prepared uh, better for because Brooks has a lot of stuff that comes out of his mouth and I, I should, he's taken me off guard so many times, I really should have been more prepared. But I'm laying there next to him and the, the night's winding down. I think it's one of those times like, hey, he's about to go to sleep, we'll pray and then you know, he'll go to sleep. And, uh, and all of a sudden he goes, hey dad. I said, yes. And he goes, have you ever rejected a woman? I go, oh boy. I was like, uh, sure, son. You ready to pray? Let's, let's go to sleep. And he goes, Dad, have you ever been rejected by a woman? I said, how much time do you have, son? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I said, Brooks, what? stop asking me these questions. Why do you want to know? And he goes, what did they say when they rejected you? It's like, I'm not going to tell you. And then he goes, did mom ever reject you? I said, yes, she did. Yes, she did. And he goes, what did she say? And, and I said, well, she said that she thought it would be better for us if we were just friends. And he, and he goes, ha, rejected. kind of devil. <laughs> so I, I, I tried to turn it. Like I tried to make it like this spiritual moment. Because I'm like, we got to stop talking about this. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm like, Brooks, we're going to pray. So I prayed and, and I'm like, God, thank you that you don't reject us. That's good, right? Like spiritual turn. Like, good job, dad. You don't reject us. You bring us in. Lord, thank you for a great night for, of sleep for Brooks. Bless him. In Jesus' name, amen. Usually, Brooks will just tell me if I had a good prayer or not. Like, most of the time, I'll pray, and then he'll be like, it's a good prayer, Dad. And he'll roll over and go to sleep. But this time, he said, Dad, I need to pray, or I want to pray. I was like, okay. 
And he said, <laughs> he said, God, I'm probably going to reject a lot of women. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, and women are going to reject me too. Well, that's okay. You won't reject me. God, you're awesome. Thank you for a good night. Amen. And Brooks went to sleep. So the great theologian Brooks Hall comes to you today to remind you, you may have been rejected, but you will not be rejected by God. And this is the place that he brings us back to. God wants us to know that the foundation of our growth with him is this place of being loved and received in the moments of our lives. You're not going to be rejected by Jesus when you bring your whole heart to him. Hebrews says it this way, and it's a, it's a powerful declaration and just this, this theological place that almost feels contradictory. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says, but, but for by that one offering, talking about the sacrifice of Jesus, the love of Jesus, paying the price for you and I, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who were being or who are being made holy. So it's this, it's this funny statement. He forever made you perfect, but you're still in a process of being made holy. And this is, this is the love of God, the truth of, of, of the word of God, the truth of the grace of God is that he says, I've always loved you. I've forever loved you. It's an everlasting love and I'm calling you to more. Yeah. I'm not done with you. There's more that I have for you. There's more that I want to stir up in you. I want your faith to grow, but your faith can't grow by you trying to self-motivate faith. It can't grow by you trying to just say, okay, where's the list? Who, what, what do I do now? Is it five chapters a day? Is it 10 chapters a day? Is it witnessing to two people? That, that's not how faith grows. Faith grows two ways. One, immersing ourselves, filling our life with the word of God. And the other way is the way that we usually don't like because the other way that faith grows is walking through the circumstances of life. The only two ways faith grows. It's a muscle. It must be exercised. It has to be attended to. It cannot be left in a stagnant place. And that's what God is saying to us in Colossians 2. So what he's saying to his people in Malachi, it's time to leave these places. And he says, I'm not coming down on you with a sledgehammer. I'm saying I'm inviting you out of the apathy in these places of your life by the grace and the power of my love. He invites us from this foundation. There's three places that, that God wants our faith to grow that I want to put in front of us. And, and I'm putting it in front of us from the context of, of what I see in the Word of God and specifically the Old Testament in this place that represents the, the, the most intimate seat of our heart. God, God speaks and he, he gives this picture of what His desire for relationship looks like. And, and, and he begins, and, and we see this with Adam and Eve and the intimacy of walking in the, in the garden and meeting with God in the cool of the day. And then it, and then it goes on, and, and, and we see it with Abram, and then we see it with Moses. And Moses is this picture where 
God's people are led by a leader, but, but God was trying to show them what he wanted and how he wanted to walk with each one of them. And it says that Moses had a tent that was called the tent of meeting. And I, I want you to know that God's design that is that each one of our lives is a tent of meeting. This was his heart for his people. And Moses would go and he would, he would go in the tent of meeting and the presence of God would come down. It was represented in this cloud. And, and, and we, we hit on this in, in our, our series about God speaking to us. And he still speaks. This is one of our keynote verses that we, we saw from the book of Exodus. That God would come down and he would meet with Moses. And here, here's the question is, is my heart his tent? Is my heart, because this is what God exemplified. Uh, Exodus 33 Verse 8, it says, when, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. And this sounds good, but God's heart was broken because he was exemplifying for Moses what he wanted his people each to experience. He, he wanted them to know that he, his heart was that every single one of them would live in a tent of meeting. That it wasn't just Moses. And, and, and they, they didn't want that. And so what they, they would do and then what they would say to Moses is they liked this place of watching Moses uh, be in the presence of God. They were comfortable being left outside and just standing at their own tent saying, hey, Moses, it's good for you to have a tent of meeting, but we'll let you do that. And then you simply tell us what God said. It's not God's design. And they even said, hey, we'll even be reverent. We'll even bow down. We'll stand up when God comes down and you meet with him. And it broke God's heart because his pattern and his purpose for you and I was not that we would watch others walk with him. It was that each one of us would know his voice and would speak to him as a friend speaks to a friend. Face to face. This is where it begins. Is my heart his tent? Am I walking with God? Do not allow your walk with God to be qualified as simply a weekend service. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, throughout every moment of the day, he is there that our hearts would be a tent of meeting connected forever with him. This is such a foundational place that we, we have to begin here. If you've never walked with Jesus, please do not equate following Jesus as simply religious experiences of going to church. God's heart for you is that you would know him Day after day after day, walking with him, him speaking to your heart, you speaking to him as a friend speaks to a friend. The martyr Stephen in Acts 7, he declared this in the moments before he died. He said that God did not intend 
He doesn't dwell in the temple made with human hands. That was not his design. He, he purposed to dwell and to speak and that the tent of meeting would be the temple of our hearts, our lives before him. So Malachi comes to God's people and he says, hey, you've missed this. You've relegated God's design into a religious experience and you're bringing a piece of your lives instead of living from a tent of meeting. So faith has to grow in that place. Our hearts have to be the tent of meeting. The next place is my home, his truth. It's very interesting to me that, that God recognizes, and, it, and it's almost like the children of Israel were surprised that he knew what they were saying in the privacy of their tents. This is Deuteronomy chapter 1. And this is the context of God's people knowing what he had called them to, saying, hey, here's the land that I have for you. I'm giving it to you. But look how God gave as the, the reason that they couldn't go in. It says, you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You complained in your tents. In the privacy of your home, in your tents, and said, the Lord must hate us. That's why he's brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. You know what matters? What our self-talk is. You know, God's not satisfied with us just coming here and, and meeting together and saying nice things and worshiping him here and then getting into the hard moments, the stressful moments of life and having our self-talk be contradictory to what his truth is for your life. There's a volume of the Word of God that, that you have been created to have in a continual place. That the Word of God would be placed and, and received in our lives as a necessary, daily, life-giving force that it's been given to us for. We need it. I, I've been amazed at, at how... The, the self-talk that has come out of my mouth, the things that my ears have heard my mouth say has not always been in line with the Word of God and still to this day becomes a place where I have to contend for truth in my life. God cares about what we say in the privacy of our homes and even the intimacy of our own voice to our own ears. There have been times where I've been overwhelmed and... and, and you know, there, we, we laugh and, and I joke about it with you, but there were times when, when the quads were young and, and it got loud and it got crazy and, and there were more diapers than I thought I would ever experience in my life. Like, listen, if we get in an interaction and you're a young family and you're like, hey, Pastor Josh, will you hold my baby? I might. There's still some holiness that the Lord's working into me. <laughs> like, I don't ever want to change a diaper again. <laughs> ever. Like, I've told the kids, like, hey, when you, when you guys grow up and you have kids and we're grandparents and all that happens, yeah, you're on your own. <laughs> we're, going to do the fun, we're going to do the fun stuff, but, uh, and Anna will probably make me change diapers, so... <laughs> But there were times where I, I would feel so overwhelmed and, and, and the impossibility of, of, of that moment would just crash in and I would hear my voice saying, I can't do it. 
This is too much. And still to this day, we get in moments and we get in times where like what comes out of us is not in agreement with what God says about us. And the Lord wants to address it. He wants you to know, I'm not okay with that. There's more that I have for you. There's truth that your ears are desperate to hear your voice say. And what we say in those moments is not truth. Truth is what God says about us. And it's not just going to happen just by an accident. On purpose, we are to fill our life with the word of God. So that our tank is not empty when the circumstances of life come at us. Romans chapter 10 tells us, not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. The good news of the Word of God is His truth filling your life. God's stirring us to know His Word, to fill our life with His Word like never before. Let's respond to Him. The last place that I I, I want you to know that God is, is calling us to more is this place that I'm just referring to as my purpose, his purpose. You know, it's amazing to me how you and I will never experience a, a, a moment of walking with God where he does not have more for us. I had the honor of, of being with a, a, an individual who is, is under hospice care. And, and this individual is, is um, they know that their time on, on earth is um, short. And yet, the, the, it was a blatant reminder of how God has more for them. And as we sat together and we talked, there was heaviness and, and let, me, let me just say the unforgiveness that was on their heart. And God, by his mercy, was saying, hey, I... You're going to be in the fullness of joy with me soon, but I'm not okay in these last moments that you step into eternity with that on your heart. God invites us in this continual way, and it's so much further beyond what we can see. And, and, And I want to frame it for you this way, because we invite God into our lives, and we know him in this tent of meeting, in this walk with him of intimacy and integrity before him where we're bringing our whole heart and we're being transformed and we know his love and we know his grace and his word begins to fill our lives and it and it transforms us and it comes out of us and then there's these moments that God wants to walk us to where he says hey let me just show you a little picture of your life through my vision And I'm going to refer to it as coming out of our tent because God did this with Abraham. Before he was Abraham, when his name was still Abram, God said, let me show you how I see you. You're in your tent. You're in this place that only you know and only you see. You're you're held in this place that's dependent on your capability, on your capacity. But would you let me lead you out of your tent? 
Genesis chapter 15, it says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram, repl Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will, in will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Verse 5 is where I want us to see and focus on. Then the Lord took Abram outside. Abram's in his tent. He's meeting with God in the tent of meeting. He's contending for what is true about his life. And then God said, if you'll receive my truth, let me take you outside. Abram, let me, let me take you. Let me show you what I want to do with your life. Let me show you a glimpse of what your life looks like based on my resources. This is how I see it. The Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. What a word. Count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. God's wanting to, to lead us out of our tent. He's wanting to lead us out of the way that we just see our lives based on our capacity, our ability, our strength, our bank account. He's wanting to lead us out and say, hey, listen, would you allow me to show you how I see your life? Because I'm not done with you. You know, the, Anna and I's first 10 years of marriage, we spent in a small town in, in Minnesota, Hutchinson, Minnesota. And I went to high school there. I played basketball, baseball, football for that high school and had a, had a great time. And then I, then I got to be a youth pastor in that, in that town. And, and like many small town areas, uh, Hutchinson, they were the Hutch, or they're the Hutch Tigers. Their main rival was this three school compilation. And they, it was Glencoe Silver Lake and they were the Panthers and they're 10 miles away. And Anna and I were in this place of, of hearing doctors say, you can't have kids and it wasn't looking good. And, and the Lord met us in it, and I want you to hear, like we knew God is enough in the middle of our hearts breaking and facing the reality that we may not have children. We may not have earthly children of our own. And God gave us this vision. This was our take you out of the tent moment where God gave us this vision that regardless if we had earthly kids or not, we were gonna birth more spiritual kids into this earth. And we were going to see people and young people saved and set free and delivered, living for God. And it was this incredible place that we knew the purpose of my life is not dependent on whether or not these things get answered. God, you hold my purpose. And I, and I knew that God was calling us to step into the public schools. And so I began in, in, in my town. I began and went, I went to the coaches that I knew were believers in my town. I'm like, coach, I want to start a Bible club. Let me start a Bible club in your classroom. And none of them would do it. I, mean, I hope they're not watching online, but like, sad coach, come on. 
they were scared. They didn't want to be controversial. So you know what I did? I went to our rival. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I was a tiger, but God's calling me to the Panthers, so let's go. So I went over there and I met with the principal and the principal was, was like, hey, yeah, I'll connect you. I'm good with it. I'll connect you with a teacher who has led clubs in the past. What he didn't tell me was this guy had, had experienced a horrific, tragic accident where his daughter was killed, killed in between her senior year and her first year of college. And he had walked with God, but he was so locked up in pain that he didn't want to have anything to do with God. The principal didn't say any of that. So I'll remember this forever. It was a Wednesday night and it had been a rough day and I'm like, I'm calling this teacher because I want to have like a praise report to announce to our youth ministry. I want to tell them we've been praying and we've been trying to get into schools and I want to be able to tell them, hey, we're in the school. So I call him and it didn't go so well. He told me, I am not interested in helping you. I will never help you. You cannot start a club in this school. And he hung up on me. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll look other places for encouragement today. And what happened, it was, it was this, like, I'll remember, I remember forever, like, putting down the phone and knowing, like, okay, so this isn't just about a Bible club. And we began to pray for this, this man, began to pray for his family. And we found out that there was a, a gym that was connected to the high school that was open to the public. You could buy a membership at this gym. And then the kids in between, like before practice and after school, the kids from the school would come in and work out. And so I'm like, well, there's an open door. Let's go. So I took a volunteer with me. We bought memberships and went there. And so day after day, we'd, we'd finish. I'd finish at the office early and I would head to that gym. So when the kids got out of school and they started working out, we were there. And we began to minister and meet kids and just watch God just begin to touch kids' lives in this. What I didn't know is that guy, that teacher was watching us. I didn't know what he looked like. And he was a coach on one of the teams. And so he saw us day after day, just ministering to kids. We started sponsoring a, a, an eighth grade football team and, and started providing them with Gatorade. And we were, we were just trying to step through any open door we could step through. But, but here, here's what I want you to see, because I saw it through this place of like a school club that was dependent on whatever leaders I had and our ability to, to step in there. That's how I saw it. And it was so limited for, what, for how God saw it. Because God saw a, a man who was locked in pain and God's heart was that he would be unlocked. And God wanted to heal him so that, that he knew the love of God and he knew the purpose of God in a way that would minister and not stop ministering and it wouldn't be limited by whether or not I was there. And so one of the days that we were there working out with the, the, the guy that I took with me, volunteer, this, this teacher went up to him and said, hey, do you think Pastor Josh would talk to me? I was pretty rude to him the last time we talked. Do you think he'd meet with me? And my friend said, of course. And so we started meeting together. And I watched God begin to, to heal this man and restore this man. I watched God begin to breathe purpose back into this guy. 
And it was so interesting because the, the kids around there, they, they loved this teacher. He, he's an incredible, incredible teacher. He cares, and yet he was so locked up, understandably so. And God wasn't okay with it. And God began to unlock him a piece at a time. And then he, then he said, hey, if you want to come, you can use my classroom and let's, let's start this club. And kids started getting saved and kids started coming before school. We'd bring donuts and juice. We'd pray together. We'd speak the truth of the word of God. It's, it's really, really special. This last week, I actually got a, Anna and I got a, a wedding invitation for one of the kids that got saved through that. Isn't that awesome? He's getting married in September and sent us an invitation. And that's, that's, that's wonderful. But what I want you to see is by a little step of obedience, God went and unlocked somebody. And we just had a little small part to play in that. But God unlocked him so that today he is set in that school continuing to minister. See, that club wasn't based on whether or not I was there or any volunteers that I brought was there. God saw something so far beyond that. He was saying, hey, I care about his heart, that his heart would know my love and my care for him. That a man and his wife would go from being locked up to being unlocked by the power of God and the grace of God to be a continual space in place of life for students year after year after year. He's a life-giving force. He's still doing it today. God sees our lives just so much differently than we see them. And he wants to take us by the hand and he wants to lead us out of our tent place of limitations that we look and we just see our failures and we see the places that we've messed up and we see all the, the things that would try to argue when God says, no, no, I want to take you out of your tent and I want to show you what I see. So it's on you and I to respond to him. Would you bow your heads with me? I know that, that there are, are dreams and visions that God has spoke and continued to, to speak to you that fill this house, that he is waiting for a moment of courage to step out and trust him to provide for what he's asked you to do. I pray that now is that moment. As we do every week, I want to ask you, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? If you've never walked with Jesus, today is a wonderful day to begin to know him in the tent of meeting, not a religious tradition, a person. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe it's a decision and the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you're out of balance with the intake of your life and my word needs to fill your life. I don't like what you say about yourself. I don't like how you see yourself. It's not how I see you and therefore it is not truth. Would you fill yourself? Would you fill your life with what I say about you? so that your ears hear your voice speaking blessings over yourself, even in hard times. 
not the lies of the enemy. The Holy Spirit may be drawing you and leading you out of the tent. You know that He's invited you to take courageous steps that will lead to people being helped by the gospel. This is a wonderful moment for you to trust God in a new way. Every single one, we're going to respond like Abraham. Abraham believed. Will you believe God today? Lord, I pray courage over every heart. Holy Spirit, as you speak to us, Lord, thank you that, that, that our response is based on your resources, not ours. It's based on your victory, not ours. And you've invited us to know you by your love and your grace that your righteousness says you've called us to more. And Lord, we receive it today with courage. We step into what you've called us to in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or would like to connect with us, visit us at oceanchurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.